It's the Boris Dirk podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We are coming out of the all-star break, heading for the playoff push. So today we will be discussing everyone currently in the playoff picture and what we think their expectations should be in terms of how many rounds they will win in these playoffs. I've set over-unders for all of them, and Drew's going to tell me which way he thinks he's leaning as far as how far they're going to go. Uh, but first, couple announcements. First, we made a YouTube channel for the page. So if you ever get bored of only hearing our voices and want to see our faces too, you can look us up, Boris Dirk Podcast on YouTube, and we'll be adding our full episodes there as, lo- as well as some shorts if we have the time to make them. And you can also, as always, find us on Twitter at Boris Dirk Pod. And we've entered the guest phase of the podcast. Last week, we went on the deep two with uh, our new friend, Sean, from Melbourne, Australia, who had us on his pod. And we talked about all sorts of end of the season questions, most interesting teams. We're hoping we're going to bring him back on before the playoffs roll around. And next week, we are having Celtics writer Noah Delzell on the podcast, get an inside look at the Celtics. We're both kind of known Celtics, at least skeptics, I would say. Uh, But he'll be very curious to get her perspective and hear some of her arguments for why the Celtics are perhaps the clear favorite this year. Really looking forward to having her on. Drew, how you doing? Uh, Just really amazed watching Max's social media powers grow. He's getting better and better at infuriating fans around the country, sparking conversation. All news is good news. Uh, Happy to be back. Let's get into it. Starting at the top. Celtics over under, will they win two and a half playoff rounds? Three playoff round wins gets you to the finals. Yes. Um, I, I, I just, because, yeah, because I continue to stand on the Bucks. Or sort of the field, Heat, Cavs, um, other teams that have been creeping up in the Knicks, waiting to get their team back. I'm going to say under two and a half. I'm going to say this team, the road ends at the conference finals, and it's a huge existential crisis uh, for Boston. But every lineup stat you can find tells you this is the best team in the league. Obviously, Vegas has them as the runaway favorite right now to win it all. Um so I know it's going to be a fun conversation with Noah next week. Um, we've been needing a Celtics truther on this podcast because you and I both have our reservations about Tatum as the number one guy and just the overall system and how it translates to playoff basketball. But how do you feel about two and a half for the Celtics? Yeah, I think I'd probably take the over. I think I'd expect them to make the finals but lose in the finals. Um, but the argument for going under is... Well, it'll be very telling to see what their next two games against the Bucks look like. They play them once at the end of March and once, I think, right before the playoffs. That last one may not mean much because the Celtics are pretty much, I mean, they already have the one seed locked up. They're eight games up on number two, which is honestly pretty crazy for as competitive as the league is. But they're one and one against the Bucks on the season. I think compared to years past, it's a more explosive Boston team offensively. They're better at guarding on the perimeter with having Derek White and Drew Holiday on the team. But I do think they can be a little bit more susceptible inside against Giannis. They don't have, as we've discussed before, quite the beef in terms of Grant Williams, Robert Williams, even Marcus Smart is kind of a a beefier defender than Drew Holiday is. So 
I could see Giannis really going wild in that series. On the other hand, I think they do have the bodies to throw at Dame and make his life miserable. We've seen Drew Holiday do it in the past when he was in New Orleans. Derek White's one of the better guard defenders in the league. So I think I'd still expect them to make the conference finals. And if Porzingis is healthy, I think, sorry, to make the finals. If Porzingis is healthy, I think they'll do it without a ton of resistance, but you know, they, I do think they're still susceptible to being beat up a little bit. So it's looking like they might play the heat in the second round. The heat have been surging up to the four five part of the bracket. So that could be a really good second round series and a chance for either Boston to exercise some of their demons against the heat or for Miami to just continue making their yearly Cinderella run that they have now seemed to do for like four of the last five years. And then there's also, I think, the question of the Knicks and, and a team like that that can kind of drag them into the mud and, and make them sweat a little bit, though I wouldn't pick the Knicks to beat them. But yeah, I'd pick over two and a half, but would not expect them to win the finals. Yeah, I, I just think fundamentally the Nuggets are the only team right now that I'm ready to predict a finals run. I don't know what you over-under number you have for Milwaukee, but I feel like there isn't a team in the East that I'm willing to categorize as a lock for the finals. Um, that's just how chaotic the East is to me right now. Obviously, the Heat have been rolling. Uh, the Cavs are now figuring things out. They were winning before they got all their best players back, and they've been absolutely rolling since. Uh, crazy double overtime loss versus the Bulls uh, a couple nights ago. But overall, good times for the Cavs, who look like they're figuring out ways to play their two bigs together now that they have a little bit more guaranteed shooting. Um, so I can go yeah. to the Cavs now. I've got one and a half for the Cavs. So basically, do you expect them to get to the conference finals or just to the second round or less? Season ends today. The Cavs are the two seed. They would match up if the Pacers stayed seven through play and stuff. They would, they would play the Pacers. I would definitely pick the Cavs to beat the Pacers. And then the next matchup would be the... Milwaukee, most likely. Yeah, yeah, it would be Milwaukee. Um, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just too high on the best version of this Milwaukee team. Uh, right now, uh, 1,100 possessions, which is like the seventh most possessions any five-man lineup has played in the league. Dame, Beasley, Middleton, Giannis, Brooke. That that five man lineup is is plus sixteen per one hundred per possessions, which is like right at the pace you want a closing five to be for a contender. Despite all of the fears in Milwaukee, all of the weird Giannis sound bites, all of Dame needing to settle in, this team is in a pretty good spot. And people keep talking about how Dame hasn't been Dame, and he hasn't. He hasn't been efficient enough. But Dame will be respected as a shooter until the end of time and something that I've been kind of hooked on recently is just how much people in <laughs> around the NBA overreact to three point percentage. Uh, like Struess isn't having his best shooting season in Cleveland, but like Struess will be respected as a shooter for at least another year or two. He'd really have to like start missing shots. And he also just had like the game of his career. Uh, Dame is still just like a, a nightmare for defenses that you have to track him at all times. You have to force him into those one for sevens. And the yeah, this this uh, Milwaukee lineup of five has still been dominant. 
I worry about, you know, what happens when you get to the six through 12 on that roster. Mm-hmm. But um, I still think they're too good for me to take Cleveland uh, conference finals. So I'm going to, I'm going to say under for Cleveland. Yeah. So we can fold Milwaukee into the discussion too. Cause I set it at one and a half for both Cleveland and Milwaukee. I think we both agree over for Milwaukee under for Cleveland in terms of Milwaukee getting to the conference finals, Cleveland. I think it, it's very matchup dependent. I still, I know they've been starting to figure th- some things out with their front line, Max Struess, if you're trying to point to an element of why this Cleveland team is different from the team that lost in the playoffs last year, it's Max Struess and being able to have that kind of two-way player that you can put alongside their core four guys of Mitchell Garland, Mobley, and Allen. Uh, in the playoffs last year, they just didn't have that guy. Okoro couldn't shoot well enough. Jetty Osmond couldn't defend well enough. Dean Wade wasn't healthy. Karis LeVert wasn't consistent enough. Like They just didn't have a guy to plug in there. And now with Struess, which, I mean, I was watching the game against Dallas at the at the gym and damn near fell off the exercise bike at the end of it when he hit the 60-footer to win the game. But before that, he had four straight possessions where they were down 10 and he hit four threes in a row to bring him to, like, right back in the game with a few minutes left. And that is just an element they didn't have last year. But I do think against smart coaches like a, a Spolstra or – You know, even like what the Knicks did against them last year with Tibbs, just I don't trust their front line of Mobley and Allen offensively in the playoffs. And I think uh, while Mobley's made some strides as a three-point shooter, I still don't love him just catching the ball in the middle of the floor. Like, I don't, I'm not that scared of that as a defense. Same thing with, with Allen, if it's outside of the paint. And then when your two best scorers that you're relying on are both like 6-1, who and we've seen in years past that they can kind of be schemed out of being really effective in the playoffs. I do worry about them in certain matchups in the East. Like, I mean, the Knicks are now kind of falling because of all the injuries they're having, but if they drew the Knicks in a two, seven matchup, I don't think that that would be a great matchup for them. If they drew the heat in a two, seven matchup, I don't think that would be either or a three, six, because they'll probably be either the two or the three seed. And they have, you know, stumbled a little bit recently. Like, they were very fortunate to get out of that game against Dallas with a win and then losing to Chicago. So, yeah, Cleveland, and they're another one of these East teams like the Knicks, which has a great record against horrible teams and kind of a a bad record against good teams. So they are a team where I definitely wouldn't expect them to get past the second round, and I still wouldn't be shocked if they lost in the first round, I'd say. Uh, but you've definitely been higher than me on them all year. So I get if you disagree. Yeah. I, like I said on Struess, oh, like I, I think we don't talk enough about just his toughness outside of the shooting, uh, averaging five rebounds a game, great feel, uh, keeps the ball moving almost infuriatingly at times. Like I just want Struess to be jacking threes for this team's spacing, Um, but he's averaging four assists a game and is just like a real team player, does not prioritize his own stats in a really helpful way. Because if there's any concern I have about this Cleveland team, it's that at end of game, there's a lot of sort of your turn, my turn with Garland and Mitchell. And sometimes I feel like Donovan Mitchell leans into hero ball in a way that I think is, is, limiting this team's long-term ceiling because I have, I really liked when Garland was out just how we saw a little bit of growth 
uh, from guys across the roster, whether it's Levert playing some of the best defense of his career, Jared Allen just being able to do a little bit more with the ball in his hands, take one dribble, finish with the right or left, um, like more accurate kickouts from Jared Allen has just become a more versatile offensive player since that dark week or two against the Knicks last year yeah. uh, in, in round one. There have been a couple nights recently where the Cavs are down like seven with three minutes left and Donovan Mitchell decides the answer is just like pull up 27 footers and that can't happen in the playoffs. You have too many options. I, I Again, though, Struve shooting 34%. It's the lowest mark of his career. I just don't care. This reminds me a lot of like, you know, Moneyball baseball back in the day when the A's were one of the first teams to start talking about the fact that the difference between a two, 275 hitter and a 300 hitter is like one hit every couple of weeks. It's really mm-hmm. not that much. And three-point shooting is similar. Uh, again, Struess brings gravity no matter how he's shooting. Uh, and yeah, I think that this is a different Cleveland team. And that's why I really like them to win one series, no matter pretty much no matter who they match up against. Um and from there, it's just going to be really hard because yep. Milwaukee and Boston are clearly the two best teams in the conference. Yeah. And as a last note on Milwaukee for me, I'm glad you brought up the starting lineup number, um, which when I looked, they keep going back and forth with Denver as far as who has the best high volume five man lineup in the league. Um, Dame has been starting to cook a bit since All-Star. We were wondering if coming out of All-Star weekend, he'd kind of regain his confidence and feel the flow a little bit more. Um he had an inefficient game yesterday, but before the, in the four previous games before that, he was over 50% three times. And I think he was only over 50% three times in the, you know, 12 games, I think before all-star break, which is kind of crazy lack of efficiency, but seems like he might be, you know, starting to get a little bit more comfortable. It's well-documented that their defense has been better since Doc Rivers took over. And I do think kind of the outlines, assuming Middleton comes back, the outlines of a playoff rotation are kind of coming through with the starting five and then Crowder, a little bit of Bobby Portis and some whoever's got it going between Pat Bev and, and Pat Connaughton off the bench. Like that's kind of taking shape a little bit. So, you know, it's still not anything like Boston's supporting cast, but if the top end guys can be good enough, maybe that's enough. As much as I want to bet on this Cleveland team to win two or three series. The Garland Mitchell combo is just triggering a little bit of my Dame and CJ trauma. Mm-hmm. And I wish Dame and CJ got to play alongside guys like Struce, Mobley, Allen, Okoro, um, even Niang, the spacing he provides. Um, Dean Wade is a, a good bench player. They have a great roster uh, and a lot of competent role guys. But it's just going to get really hard um, switching on to some of the best scoring wings. I mean, the Celtics have like three guys that you don't want Garland or Mitchell on at any time. Um, And so, yeah, I just think this I wish this team ceiling was a little bit higher. However, uh, I've been watching a lot of the Cavs recently and Mobley's defensive activity is just fucking awesome. Yeah. And. I really hope he doesn't have uh, a really stale offensive performance this year in the playoffs like he did last year uh, because the sky's the limit for him defensively. And, you know, I I, I forget who it was. Maybe Saruti it was said on the Russillo pod uh, most recently that bringing in Garland 
uh, or bringing in Donovan Mitchell while it made you a better team immediately might have limited Mobley offensively long-term. And I, there, there might be something to that. I think if, I think Mobley is extremely talented and like needs to figure out how to play around great players. And uh, I, I just hope we don't learn. This isn't the year that we learn that Mobley and Allen just can't exist together um, on a playoff closing five, um, because I already have questions about Garland and Mitchell. It's an interesting roster and I just want it to succeed. Yep. All right. I, I've got one more team in the East and then the last four all kind of lumped together, but okay. I feel like, you have to separate the heat out from everyone else. Um, and I wasn't sure whether to set their over under at 0.5 or 1.5 because <laughs> I think they've really worked their way into that top five seed range. I mean, everyone's really bunched up, but I think they're probably going to finish in that four or five bracket. They've been streaking as of late. Jimmy has let everyone know that his time is coming. Playoff Jim is waking up. They have elements to their team they didn't have last year. And Jaime Jaquez, uh, a healthy Tyler Hero. Duncan Robinson's become a more complete player this year in terms of attacking off the dribble, not being as much of a liability defensively. And I think it's a deeper team than last year. I think, you know, Jaquez especially is, is a key element for them. And I wouldn't be surprised if they won a first round series. And, you know, second round, they'd probably have to play Boston. But if they somehow didn't, wouldn't be surprised if they won a second round series too. So I'm going to say one and a half for the heat. What say you on that? I'm taking the over. Let's go. <laughs> I, I'm taking the over. None of the lineup stats mean a thing to me. It's funny. Like the heat actually have pretty good. They had pretty good numbers with Lowry early in the season, but like, I still respect that. They just, they, they saw some limited, some long-term limitations with Lowry the reason that I have so much faith in this Heat team, besides just what they've done the last few years, is, you know, with Cleveland, I'm thinking, what happens to that locker room? What happens psychologically to the team? If the shit hits the fan, it's starting to look like next round one all over again. And you got to pull Garland for a couple minutes here or there for defense sake, bring in Okoro. Or, or you want to go Mobley at the five and you bring, and you have to take out Jared Allen and put Sam Merrill in there for shooting or George Niang mm-hmm. uh, at the four. Like, do you, do, does J.B. Bickerstaff lose his team if, if something like that happens, something drastic in a heated playoff moment? Well, then you go to the Heat, who like just, it's it's just part of their DNA. If Duncan Robinson is the guy, he's going to be the guy. If Tyler Harrow is a wet blanket on defense, they will pull him. If if Terry Rozier's size is an issue for them and they just want to go like five guys, six, five and, and above and give Caleb Martin some reps at the one. And obviously Jimmy does a lot of point guardy stuff for them. Like they'll do it. Spolstra has no fear. He is at the top of the hierarchy on that team. You look at like, like in Cleveland, Donovan Mitchell is at the top of the hierarchy in Boston. Jason Tatum's calling the shots. Like, I just don't believe that Joe Missoula has final say over Jason Tatum in a way that that's just a given in Miami. Um, So like Spolstra has the playoff equity to push those buttons and um, make necessary changes series to series, game to game. And I'd just be really surprised if the Heat aren't at least in a game seven round one. And if they get out of round one, like it's the Miami Heat. Yeah. I mean, if, if, you know, somehow it's a three six of Cavs Heat in the first round and then they get into the second round and Milwaukee's waiting for them, like there's going to be some, some real tight butts up in Wisconsin. 
Yeah. And we haven't even talked about the leap that Bam, like the another yeah. mini leap Bam has taken. Uh obviously he's played so many minutes this year with Jimmy off the floor. Uh he's dealt with trades, players in and out. He like he's he's relying on different role guys depending on the night. And he just continues to grow as a passer, as a finisher. Uh, his defense has been elite for years now, but his, he's added quirks to his offense that just make him a harder guard. Yeah, and I saw this thing on Twitter the other day where it was like comparing Bam and Sabonis of like who's better. And I'm like, Sabonis, like Bam is not in the Sabonis conversations. He's in the like Embiid AD conversations yeah. as far as playoff basketball goes. So yeah, we've just seen it too many times. The last four game, the last four teams in the East, I have them all at 0.5. So basically just tell me of Orlando, Indiana, Philly, and the Knicks, who do you think has the best chance to win a round one series? So I really like Indiana's regular season team, and I'm very low on them as a playoff team. They're like second in the league in pace. I I love Halliburton. Anyone who loves basketball loves Halliburton, but it's becoming a little bit one-dimensional. Uh, I, th- I think you watch their offense and it's super efficient, but like it has to start with Tyrese every possession. He requires the ball um, yeah. in a way that I didn't really expect. Like he should theoretically be a really good off-ball player. I think he is. Sometimes it feels like he's on an island with four other guys just waiting to see, you know, what's going to happen. Um, and I don't, I don't love that. It doesn't feel very um, playoff ready to me. So you said Indiana, Knicks, Sixers, and Magic, and Magic. Yeah, it's 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 the Knicks. Uh, just waiting to see what this team looks like with when you pair the Divincenzo growth, the the Josh Hart motor, um, and everything good that's happened the last couple of weeks. Even though there have been some scary moments with Ananobi's defense. And yeah, maybe Mitchell Robinson. I mean, I, I don't want to speak about Mitch. Like it seems like he'll be back. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, that 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 Knicks defense can be special, especially if they decide to put DiVincenzo in more of like an, an elite sixth man role and surround Brunson with big athletes, um, which might end up being the best version of that te- of that playoff Knicks team. But yeah, I, I just think um Brunson can be the best player in literally any series in the East. I really do believe that. It's crazy to say, but um, it could happen. And Ananobi brought has brought balance to their team in 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 such a striking way that um, even if Embiid comes back, I actually think I actually think the Knicks are a more dangerous playoff team. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Philly might even. Well, I'll go through the other options, but. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster couple months for the Knicks um, as a Knicks fan. In January, seeing that team with OG pretty much fully healthy aside from Mitchell Robinson, I was convinced I was watching, and I'm still convinced I was watching the best Knicks team that I've seen in my lifetime as a fan, which goes back to about 2005. Um, and we only got it for a month. And since then, just injuries have completely ravaged this team where Mitchell Robinson was already out. Julius Randle dislocated his shoulder against Miami. OG Ananobi had a mysterious loose body in his elbow that was removed. He was just cleared for on-court activity. So hopefully he still needs to be cleared for contact, but hopefully he'll be back in a week or two. Uh, And lucky for them, they only have 
two games over the course of the next week so they can kind of stretch out that recovery a bit. But they've got a very high variance because the team they have right now with all their guys out, I mean, any team missing their second and third best players, we can argue over where Julius Randle ranks, but missing their second and third top scores, let's say, any team is going to be a shell of themselves. We even saw it with the Nuggets where they were missing Jamal Murray and Michael Porter and they you know, could just barely squeak out a game in the first round. So teams have the team, the Knicks just don't have guys who can create a shot right now, aside from Jalen Bronson. And there's so much pressure on him. He's getting double teamed and trapped every night. And it's sort of like a Josh Hart. Is this a game where you have five threes in you? Dante DiVincenzo, is this a game where you have five threes? Cause if not, we don't really have a chance to win. Um, early returns on the new Knicks from the Pistons. Not fantastic. Drew's uh, reaction to that trade so far is looking more prescient than mine, as opposed to might have been too much too soon for the Knicks and uh, might not work out as well as everyone's saying. I do still want to reserve judgment because we got Boyan and Alec Burks to be seventh and eighth men on this team or seventh and ninth men on this team, not to be sort of key offensive contributors, which to this point they've been overstretched in that capacity. But yeah, the Knicks are a team where if I can guarantee that, well, now, I mean, they've just lost so many games and lost so much ground that they could mess around and end up in the 7-8 seed. And at that point, it's like, am I going to pick them to win against Boston in the first round with their guys just getting back healthy? No. Milwaukee? No. Cleveland? Maybe if they get all their sort of, you know, their bullies back between OG, Ananobi, Julius, and Mitch. But yeah, they're a team where if I know they're going to be healthy and they can stay out of a tough matchup in the first round, I could still, I think this team can go to the conference finals, but they're also a team where if they're just working guys back, Julius is a shell of himself. He's protecting that shoulder and they have a tough first round matchup. I could see them, you know, losing in the first round, you know, in a not super competitive series. Like I think they have one of the wider ranges of outcomes as far as teams go in the East. And just comparing them to the other options, like Indy, I think, is very matchup dependent. Um, Like if they play Milwaukee, I think they can really make them sweat. They've played them very well this year, and they just have a level of speed that Milwaukee, as an older team, struggles to match up with. Uh, But if they play a team that can match their speed and athleticism a little bit, I just don't trust. I just don't trust their system to really translate that well. Orlando, I think. They they might be like the least likely of these teams to win a first round series. It's them or Philly, but I think they're going to make the high seed sweat. Like whoever they play, I could really see it being, you know, Orlando wins game one and then they come back and it's, they win game three. It's two, one in Orlando going into game four. And it's just like a really ugly game four. I could definitely see that being the case, but I have a hard time picking them to win any matchup in the first round, just because, I don't trust their playoff offense um, as good as their defense is like they're going to drag teams into the mud, but I just don't in a playoff setting. I don't trust them to get above like 105 points consistently, which it's just a tough formula to win with. And then Philly, I doubt Embiid's going to be healthy and they're probably going to slide into the eight seed or the seven seed, have a really tough matchup in the first round. And Embiid's going to be, if he's playing probably limping around and not having the level of continuity and flow that he did early in the season where I would just be very surprised if they even had much of a competitive first round series. If the injury never happened, I'd take the Sixers over the Knicks. But I think if somehow Embiid comes back and 
He's definitely not going to be 100% if he does. Um, I would pick this Knicks team. Uh, really, in terms of over under half a series for the Knicks, it'll come down to whether they can hold on to the four seed. Because this team will have one of the best home court advantages in the playoffs, period. Uh, and they might end up with the the best home court environment. Brunson, DiVincenzo, OG, Randall, Hartenstein, five-man lineup, uh, plus 17 per 100 possessions. Got to assume that that is even stronger with Mitch in the Hartenstein role. Although, I mean, Hartenstein's been awesome. Like, he's been a revelation in Mitch's absence. To your point, yeah, the the early Burks and Bogdanovich returns haven't been great. Uh, And I wouldn't personally wouldn't have traded Grimes for those guys. But I do think you're better off with them too going into the playoffs this year. Yep. All right, let's move to the West. And I'm going to combine some of these so we can move through them a little quicker because I went through the top 10 in the West. But the first two, let's start at the top with the Wolves and the Thunder. And I set them both at one and a half. So of those two teams, which do you think is more likely to make the conference finals? Yeah, I'm taking the Thunder. Shocker here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I'm, I'm not feeling as good about it as I was before the season because it's it's awkward with Giddy, who is most effective with the ball in his hands. And at first I thought this, that the Thunder should trade Giddy uh, because they have a legit championship ceiling this year. And now I'm I'm starting to wonder if not trading Giddy was a legit like mistake um, just because I talked about how Struess could shoot 32% forever and they'd still respect him as a shooter. Giddy could shoot 40% the rest of the year from behind the three-point line, and he's still not impacting spacing. Teams are still going to dare him to shoot when push comes to shove. Uh, and he's one of their you know, five most talented guys. So that's, that's never a great thing um, heading into the playoffs. Uh, Gordon Hayward isn't even averaging three points per game since he got there. Uh, but like that's not the biggest shock in the world. Like we knew Gordon was going to have to like earn minutes on a team that's been winning a lot with the guys they already have. It was a disappointing trade deadline for the Thunder, um, and yet they still have the guy who might win MVP this year. Um, they still have J Dub, who this year I think now we can officially call a star. Um, Chet, who would win Rookie of the Year any other season. I saw they just signed Mike Muscala today just for a little bit more girth in the front court. Uh, couldn't couldn't hurt. I, I mean, is he going to play in the playoffs? Maybe not. Um, and yeah, they just they just have a lot of live bodies and athletic guys. And what I really wonder is, you know, in the heat of a playoff series, if Giddy's just bricking threes and teams are sagging off him and putting two on their better players, will Dagnall have the guts to bench Giddy? and put a guy like Isaiah Joe in uh, for shooting just to to benefit everyone else. And the answer is probably yes, because the last few games we've seen the Thunder bench Josh Giddey in closing minutes. That tension could be their playoff demise, uh, but I still just think that this team is, is, is more playoff ready than the Wolves, whose offense I have even more questions about than Oklahoma City's. Yes. Um, I do think the one thing I will say with the Thunder is if they play anyone who can really punish their lack of size in the first round, really, if they end up matching up with the Lakers in the first round, I would have 
a few concerns about that. The Lakers have played them pretty well this year. And I think the Wolves would, I would trust the Wolves more against the Lakers than I would the Thunder, I think. Um, but if they can manage to just play teams who will not punish their size, I really like their chances to beat anyone. Like, I don't think they can beat Denver because they have no answer for Jokic. And, uh, you know, I mean, even the Kings could make them sweat a little bit because Chet struggles a bit to deal with guys like Sabonis. But I think, you know, the Warriors, they would have a, a pretty easy time with because they can just play the small ball, small ball lineup and small ball game, just a better version of what the Warriors can do at this point. The Suns, I like the Thunder in that matchup. So I would also say they have a better chance to make the conference finals than the Wolves. But I was, you know, I was looking at the Wolves' record against the teams they could play in the first round, and either 2-0 against the Warriors this year, 2-0 against the Lakers, 3-1 against Dallas. Uh, they're 1-1 against the Kings, so that could be an interesting one. They're 0-1 against the Suns. That sort of pull-up, sort of tough shot-making could uh, could prove to be difficult for them to deal with, and the Suns very well may have the two best players in that series with KD and Booker, if that ends up being the first round. And then... There are the Pelicans as well who have played really well against the Timberwolves as of yet. So, yeah, I would pick the Thunder as more likely to make the conference finals. But this raises the question and brings me to the Nuggets, who I put at three and a half. And essentially the question is, does anyone in the West have a shot to dethrone them? Or who would you give the best shot to knock them off in or before the conference finals? So... <laughs> Obviously, repeating is incredibly difficult, and it might be smart to pick the field here, but I'm not going to do it uh, because I have so much faith in Denver's infrastructure. Murray, KCP, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Jokic. That five-man lineup has played more possessions than any five-man lineup in the NBA this year. They are plus 15 per 100 possessions. Uh, just for comparison, like I talk about the Giddy fit being scary in OKC, like Giddy with with you know SGA, J Dub, Dort, and Chet are only plus four per one hundred possessions. Like that is not usually a number that's indicative of a true contender, unless you're like the Miami Heat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm not ready to say Thunder culture just yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but Denver has not only do they have. The pedigree, like they've had so many reps without Bruce Brown this year. We talk about how the roster might be a little bit thinner. Um, there's been so much Peyton Watson praise recently. And I really like Peyton Watson. He has for sure has tools um, that will keep him in the league for a long time. He's not a shooter yet. And I wonder if he will be phased out more than Denver fans want to believe come playoff time. SGA might win MVP. Jokic is still firmly, uh, in my opinion, the best player in the league. It's it's Denver all the way for me in the West. Yeah, just going through the options, like the Wolves, yeah, the Wolves, if we get into a, a crunch time battle where it's five minutes left, close game, I'm going to pick the Nuggets to win those situations at least 80% of the time. And unless the Wolves blow them out, which would shock me, like if it's ever a close game, I'm going with the Jokic-Murray two-man game, and they're just like relentless cl clutch time offense. We've seen the Wolves struggle with clutch time offense all year, and just the decision-making chasm between 
Jokic Murray and Edwards Cat Gobert is just monstrous. And yeah, Conley's a great decision maker, but that's not going to prove to be the difference. The Thunder don't have the size. They're like, they're very talented. They just don't have anyone who can deal with Jokic. Chet is just way too skinny at this point. It's his, it's his defensive weakness. Suns don't have an interior presence that can deal with Jokic either. And I don't trust their offense to keep up even. The only two that I could see if things break like absolutely right, beating the Nuggets or at least making them really sweat are the Clippers, although the Nuggets have had their number since the bubble, but they do have a bit of a different dynamic with with Harden and some of the other moves they've made. And then Dallas, if Luka and Kyrie go absolutely out of their minds, I think they're capable of beating anyone in a seven-game series with those two guys. I don't trust their supporting cast enough to pick them to win for like three or four, but if they get into a series with anyone i think they can beat anyone because those guys can combine to average 70 points over the course of the series and that's the one team i think the mavs and the clippers that i would maybe give a shot of getting denver to like a game seven but aside from that i don't think anyone in the west is really making them sweat but they really they really need james harden as the straw that stirs that drink and we obviously have a sour taste in our mouth from LeBron willing the clip the the Lakers to that insane comeback two nights ago. But even before that, I I promise there's evidence of me saying on this podcast, I I do believe that James Harden uh, will wilt in the playoffs, and that when he does, Russ will feel like it's his job to um, fill in the blank. And I just. I don't feel like Kawhi is the vocal leader bringer together that can salvage the reality show that's been brewing in Los Angeles. Um, so yeah, I, 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 the, the Clippers definitely have the best chance to do it. Um, all the lineup stats with their team post Harden trade would tell you that they're in the mix here. Uh, and yet I just, it's, it's hard for me to see it. It's, I've been I've been burned too many times over the last half decade picking the Clippers to get to the finals or the conference finals, and I'm just not convinced that Harden is the difference. So if I tell you 1.5 rounds for the Clippers as they're over under, do you think they're making the conference finals? What do you say? Okay, so today they're the four seed. I would definitely pick them to beat the Suns in round one. Although, like, you know, I say definitely it's not it's no fun picking anyone over KD and Booker, um, even even though I have questions about the Suns as a playoff team. I would pick them to beat the Wolves. Uh, I yeah, I think that the like we talk a lot about a switchability defensively, but like I think in a weird way, it's not even the right phrasing. The, the Clippers have really interesting offensive switchability um, in a way that I think would be real trouble for the size in Minnesota. Um so, yeah, I guess I'm taking the over. Um, and yet I just can't get out of my head some of the recent clips of Harden defense. I think he got there and wanted to prove that he was committed to the grind and he was doing some of the post-defense Harden stuff that sometimes makes him seem like less of a liability on that end. And the last couple of weeks, every time I turn the Clippers on, guys are just running right by him. Um, and Terrence Mann is staring at him like, why did you expect me to guard my guy and your guy for you? Like that, that's just, that's not, that's not playoff winning basketball. So 
Yeah, man. And then and then you've got Russ again, even even when Harden's playing well, Russ is kind of in the background taking wild shots, being left open for threes. These are these are awkward things, quirks to the Clippers roster that just are not an issue for the defending champs. Yeah. All right. I'm going to lump two teams together here who are basically the the superstar upside where they could have the best or even the two best players in any series in the Suns and the Mavs. Uh, the Suns, I thought pretty clearly I'd put them at a 0.5. Basically, do you expect them to win a first round series or not? The Mavs, I couldn't decide between 0.5 and 1.5 because they've looked really impressive recently. Even though they lost that game against Cleveland, I thought down the stretch their offensive execution was you know, really kind of difficult for Cleveland to deal with, one of the best defenses in the league. And whenever you get into a close game situation and you have both Kyrie and Luka with shooting around it and a rim runner, it's it's really difficult to deal with. Like they're too – Andre Godala just went on Brasillo's podcast and said – you know, last second shot, the person he fears most in the world is Kyrie Irving. And then you have Luka Doncic there as well. I think they are the team that is the biggest wild card in the West to me, because I do think that they can beat anyone outside the Nuggets and possibly even make the Nuggets really sweat. Um, So I'm going to say 0.5 for Suns and then just say what you're thinking for Dallas, because I can't decide. Yeah. It, it obviously this is so matchup dependent um and not to shoot down the whole activity but like if dallas faces the thunder i'm gonna take the thunder um if dallas falls to eight because they're only half a game above sacramento right now uh and they and the one eight is minnesota dallas i'm i'm picking the eight seed to upset minnesota uh for sure uh i still believe the pj washington fit is gonna work out but yeah dallas i'm taking the over uh if, if they face Minnesota, under if they face Oklahoma City. Um and then Phoenix. the Suns the Suns I'm taking the under. Uh because it's just a scary place. It's a scary segment of the Western standings to be in right now. I think I agree that I have I'm lower on the Suns playoff ceiling. Um you look at the names and sometimes you know the star power makes people think this is a team that can be a playoff riser. I worry about them because of their lack of defensive resistance inside relying on Nurkic as the interior protector, or even playing Durant at the five sometimes in an effort to kind of like really juice the offense. Uh, and then also their reliance on tough jumpers where they're, they're a team that when the going gets tough, they're going to go to like, you know, the patented elbow pull up, which, you know, KD and Booker and even Beal can make better than almost any players in the NBA. But at the same time, making a tough shot, more than other people would make it is still not as effective as you know someone like Jokic as we saw last year shooting his little 65% push shot from the deep you know deep paint between the foul line and the restricted area just in the I don't trust their offense to be quite as like elite in the playoffs um but having said that their starting five is the third best lineup in the league at about plus 15 net. So in that same vicinity as Denver's starting five and Milwaukee's starting five, those lineups that are the best in the league. And that's when they have Booker Beal, Grayson Allen, who is damn near a 50, 50, 90 shooter this year, uh, Durant and Nurkic. And yeah, they're a team. I'd love to see that first round matchup against the Clippers. We were kind of robbed of it last year where we got one game 
of healthy Kawhi, one and a half games of healthy Kawhi, where he looked like the best player in the series and then got hurt. Um, I'd love to see that again, like just the star power, sort of the 2010s child in me of seeing Harden, George Leonard against Durant, Booker Beal. There's just like all, the sheer number of all-star appearances in that matchup would be awesome. And I think if we got that as the four or five, that would be really exciting. But I likewise would expect them to lose in the first round. But they are a team with their level of shooting that they can they can get hot and knock people off. Um, Dallas, I think I would also pick to I would pick to get out of the first round. But as you say, matchup dependent. And the last four teams, this one's going to be a little different because I feel like it's probably unlikely that you'd want you'd pick any of these teams to win a first round series. So rather, which of these four teams? There's only going to be two that make the playoffs. Which two do you think they'll be? And of those two which do you think is more likely to win a first round series? We have the new Orleans Pelicans, the Sacramento Kings, the Warriors and the Lakers. So which two do you think will end up making it out of the play in tournament? And of those, which do you think can win a first round series? So my instinct is to fall back on hall of fame greatness. Those two teams can't both make it, which is so terrifying to say, like one of those, one of those uh, all time greats is, is leaving heartbroken. I, I would take the Lakers in the Lakers-Warriors matchup. I think we've talked about that matchup a little bit, so I'm not going to rehash that. Um, def- so I'm definitely taking one, one of them, since that's the most I can get. Um, Lakers, and personally, I would go Pelicans, um, just because of their defense. And I like I love the way they muck games up. I feel like they're kind of, even though they don't have the top-end talent to make a real run in my mind, I do think that they're built for playoff basketball with all of the wing defense that they bring to the table. Yeah, I think I would say Pelicans Lakers as well for the two teams I would expect to get in. I do think the it's funny because I think the Warriors have a better shot of getting out of the 9-10 game than the Lakers do. But if that is the 9-10 game, I would pick the Lakers as we've discussed previously about with their size advantage and, and everything like that and LeBron in a one game situation. But the Warriors, both those teams are only two games out of eight. Uh, the Warriors have, both of them have two upcoming games against the Kings, so they could make up that difference just in those two games if they won both of them. Um, and those are going to be massive games. Basically, any Western Conference team you say playing see playing the Kings these days, that's a massive game for the play-in implications. Um, the Kings, I would be shocked if they won a round. Like, I, I don't think they have a chance. Um, I'm honestly... There was such a feel-good story last year, but I don't really know where they go from here because they, I mean, they're kind of locked in to this Fox and Sabonis pairing, which I think we've kind of seen the ceiling of. Uh, they desperately need Keegan Murray to turn into like a a borderline star level player, which I, is, is possible, but he's pretty, he's on the older side for a second year player. It's not like he's still has unlimited growth potential left. And I don't want to just like shit on the Kings, but I think they probably will not make the playoffs if I had to pick. Um, and then the Pelicans, as far as winning around, I think they need a great matchup. I actually like them against the Wolves. They've played really well against them this year. I think they're three and one uh, in that, or they're two and two, but one of those was like a one point last second catch shot. 
and the other one was a very close win, whereas their two wins over Minnesota have been pretty decisive. Zion's been tremendous in all of those games. He seems to really like going up against the Wolves' front line. And then the Lakers, yeah, if they can sneak their way in, I like them against the Thunder and against Minnesota, who knows, because they'll have the two best players in that series. Against Denver, obviously they don't have a shot. We saw that in the conference finals last year with a Lakers team that was functioning on a much higher level than this current one is. And uh, they probably wouldn't play the Clippers in the first round, so that might not even be worth discussing. But yeah, I'd say Pelicans, Lakers, and whoever plays Minnesota has the better chance to upset unless the Lakers get the thunder, in which case that might be a good one too. Yeah. All right. Those were all the over-unders. Uh, a lot of them were just, will they win around or not? But uh, yeah, we're going to see over the next few weeks, these seedings will look very different in the East, like everything between New York and Indiana or whoever is at eight right now is separated by about a game in the West. It's the Phoenix, New Orleans, Sacramento, Dallas, Quartet is right next to each other. And the Lakers and Warriors are two games out of that, three games from the top of it. So this could all look very different in a week. And yeah, any final thoughts on the playoffs, playoff seating picture? I do believe that in this final stretch of the regular season, Dame is going to find himself. The Bucks will continue to get better. Um, and the East will look a little bit more wide open than it does today. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week with our Celtics writer, who is going to tell us why the Celtics are the prohibitive NBA favorites, or at least why they're a little different from in years past. Until then, see you guys next time. Thanks for listening.